down the tone of this whole evening. And <laughs> um, for those of you who were not born in the 90s, that was Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. One of the most famous trios of the early noughties, otherwise known as that girl group Beyonce used to be a part of. <laughs> now, and bear with me here. What if I told you that Destiny's Child is just like the Holy Trinity? Just like Destiny's Child, the Holy Trinity is made of three people. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet together they are one. They are one God. Similarly, Destiny's Child is made of three people. And yet they form one collective. There is only one Destiny's Child. There is only one God. Unlike Destiny's Child, however, there is no Beyonce in the Trinity. The Trinity is often viewed as a hierarchy, and I myself am guilty of that, but the reality is that they are all equal. They are all God. God the Father is not Beyonce, Jesus is not Kelly, and the Holy Spirit is not the one you always forget about, that you can take or leave, Michelle. Rather, they are all one, they are all equal. It's a really difficult concept to get your head around, and I could spend all of this talk trying to explain it, but all you need to know right now is that the Trinity is all God, is all one, and each part has a role to play in your life. Tonight we're going to be looking specifically at the person of the Holy Spirit. So lean in and let's let him speak. Holy Spirit, come and increase our awareness to your presence. Come and speak louder than any other voice in this room. Come and say what you want to say and come and sit with us. We ask for more of you. When I was about nine or 10, my mum invited me to a service in the outskirts of Belfast. Um, it won't come as much of a surprise, but I was always a big fan of Jesus. My Sunday graces are infamous for being my early sermons. <laughs> um, so we went, and I don't remember much about it, but I do remember it being this box room and the receipts instead of um, pews, a bit like what it is tonight. And there is a stage at the front. And then there was two people behind me speaking in tongues. And I, tongues is when people speak in the spirit, but I had never even heard of tongues, never mind heard people speak in tongues. And then to the left and right of me, people were falling to the floor. There was people going up on stage and having hands laid on them. And I was saying, why does he keep touching them? I was freaked out. Turns out it was a healing service that mom invited me to. And I haven't been to one since. <laughs> My first encounter with the Holy Spirit scared and overwhelmed me. Yet it's something that so profoundly stuck in my mind because I just wanted to know more. Fast forward to my mid-teenage years and I can feel something bubbling on the surface of my faith that made me feel that maybe there's more than just this clean-cut Christianity. So when I finally started going to my church youth group and realized it was very different from my church, I had a baptism of fire. I stepped into worship like this and both hands were up and by the end of the night I was prophesying, which is just the most classic Megan thing you've ever heard. It was weird and crazy, and yet it was the trigger of my deeper and fuller relationship with Christ. 
What I'm saying with this is that most of you have probably had different encounters with the Holy Spirit. Some of you may have been profoundly moved by him and experienced his presence. And some of you might be sitting there completely confused, wondering what the heck I'm talking about. The other thing is, let's let fear go. Fear is symbolic of a lack of trust and understanding. When I didn't understand what was happening at the healing service, it was crazy. But when I did understand, it was life-giving. So let's dig in. Spirit is presence. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the room. He is a person. He is God. The first mention of the Holy Spirit is in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We then see him bring strength to Samson and Judges, prophecy to Isaiah and Jeremiah and many others, wisdom to Solomon and 1 Kings. The running theme is that throughout the Old Testament, God gifts his Holy Spirit for a temporary amount of time to significant people. Yet this all changed when Jesus died. Before Jesus' death, the Spirit was kept in the temple, yet it was separated from the rest of the temple by a veil, making sure it was only for the access of the clean and holy people and was known as the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, he tore the veil. And not just metaphorically, but he literally tore the veil. Scripture says that it ripped from top to bottom when Jesus died. So he tore the veil and his spirit came and inhabited all those who believed, living inside us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. No longer is the spirit confined to the temple. Instead, it is living in us. We see this change from the Spirit being kept in the Holy of Holies to being for all who believe, really visually in Acts 2. You can imagine it. The disciples were all sitting in this house and Jesus has said, you know, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and they're not quite sure when, when suddenly this blast of wind blows through and there's suddenly fire and it separates into tongues resting on each of them and they start speaking out in languages that they don't know of the people that are listening to them and everybody's like, what the flip is happening? Are they drunk? And then Peter quotes Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders of the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The disciples go on to baptize some of the crowd. And verse 41 finishes with, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Casual. The Spirit is the presence of God. The Spirit shows up to the disciples and massively changes the course of their day, just as Jesus had. At that moment, their lives were transformed by the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we see the power and the might of the Spirit, and he is living in us. Just let that settle. This crazy tongues of fire, 3,000 people converting Spirit is living in us. How might truly knowing that change us? Is it challenging? Is it comforting? Is it both? The Spirit is truth. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
He will not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Spirit speaks his truth to us and through us and also through the Bible. The Spirit is what takes our prayers from simply being words spoken to being a conversation with our Father in heaven. He's what takes the Bible from being a collection of stories to being the word of God, to being something that he speaks through, to letting it become something that changes and impacts our lives. Because the Bible without the Spirit is not the truth. It is by Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and his Holy Spirit that it becomes it. Not only does the Spirit bring truth to how we pray and read his word, but it brings truth to every aspect of our lives, as it constantly leads us to walk the path of Jesus, to live in the truth of who he is and how he affects our lives. It's a Spirit that guides us in our relationships and our moral decision-making in every moment of our life. This description of the way the Spirit treats truth almost reminds me of my mum a little. My mum is straight to the point and honest in how she loves, and at first this truth can be really hard, but six months down the line, you're like, oh, she was right. Word for the wise, mums usually are. Um, an example of this is from Friday. I had been down for a work thing outside London, and we were heading back to York. It was about a three and a half hour drive. And well, basically, I started to get more and more travel sick as the journey went on. Till about three hours in, I had a meltdown in the back of the car. I was like, I need out. <laughs> and we had to come off the motorway and head to a McDonald's. I was mortified and so embarrassed. So of course I got home and I rang my mum. And my mum said, well, what do you mean? And did you have a meltdown? I went, oh, well, a little bit. She goes, were you sitting in the front? I went, no, I was in the back. She went, why were we in the back? I went, well, it doesn't really bother me and I don't get travel sick. Like, it was, it was really rare. And there's like this silence on the other end of the phone. You just know that that's when it's not good. And she just goes, seriously? <laughs> seriously? I went, what do you mean? She goes, Megan, every time you're in a car for over an hour, you get, you feel sick. And I went, that but oh. <laughs> That's why I drive everywhere when I'm home because I can't cope with being a passenger. And she went, yeah. It took my mum speaking truth for me to actually get out of the lies because the whole way down the road I'd went, I don't get travel sick. This is so weird. I don't get travel sick. <laughs> Similarly, the Holy Spirit does this too, but in a much more beautiful and life-altering way. This year, God has been constantly speaking truth into my identity and highlighting the lies that I live in. This year, I've begun to declare who I am and who God has created me to be without shame, but this has been hard. Friday afternoon, I made a joke. Those of you who know me know I love a joke, but I also have this thing about occasionally making myself the butt of the joke. Lots of psychological implications there, but let's not get into it. So um, I made a joke. It wasn't even funny. It was more just like a personal dig at myself, and um, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't loving, and actually it was harmful. And a friend of mine turned to immediately challenge me on it. But my heart just broke before she'd even said anything. And I was overcome with emotions. And it was as if God just stepped in and he went, how dare you speak about my daughter that way? I've been on this journey of thinking about the words that people have spoken over me and how they've been unhelpful. And then he went, Megan, the most harmful words that have been spoken over you have been spoken by yourself. How dare you speak about my daughter that way? God brings truth even when it's hard to hear because it sets us free from the lies we've been living in. Spirit of adoption. Romans 8, 
14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit makes us children of God. How epic. How absolutely incredible. As Christians, we've often become so desensitized to this fact because we hear it all the time. But let's just let that sink in for a moment. We are children of God. You are sons or daughters of the makers of the heaven and earth. He who is all-powerful and almighty chose to have you as his child. The Holy Spirit frees us from slavery and instead makes us princes and princesses of heaven. Our Father could control us, but instead he chooses to hold us. The Spirit allows us to call God Abba, to call him Dad, because he draws us into that intimate relationship. When I hear the word Daddy or Dad or Father used to describe God, I can relate to that automatically because my dad is a legend. And I have this beautiful relationship with him. So the word Dad has an automatic positive response. But I know for many of you, that's not the case. Perhaps you've been let down or disappointed by parents in the past. Perhaps dad or daddy or being seen as a child of God is not easy. The beauty of this is that the Holy Spirit comes and renews our understanding of parenthood. Our incredible dad, through the power of his Holy Spirit, comes and says, let me do it better. And draws us near to him, asking us to call him father. Um, one of my best friends grew up just him and his mum. And I actually saw him last week and a friend of ours asked, how do you find relating to God as father? And he went, it's amazing. That was one part that he really related to with God, was God as father. And um, we were once on a youth weekend away and we were in worship. And he just called out to God and he said, dad, I just wish you could hold me. Like, why can't you just hold me? I just need a hug. Like, why can't you come and hug me? And as soon as worship finished, one of the guys in our youth who gives the best hugs just went over and held him. Sometimes God quite literally calls us into deeper intimacy with him as father. For my friend, this was a defining moment in his walk with God and one he constantly goes back to. Speaking of parents, here's mine. Since Matthew and I have like, well, since I've moved here, Matthew's my younger brother. He's now 18, so he doesn't spend a lot of time with them. They have become selfie champions. Um, that is my mum on the right and my dad on the left, just in case you were unsure. People often say that we look like our parents. I'll let you be the judge of that. But we do pick up their mannerisms. There are things I do that come from my parents. I also have this really bad habit of picking things up from my friends when I'm home. My friends and I are big weirdos. So I usually end up returning to York saying, skirt, skirt, or yeet, even more frequently than I already do. Recently, I went home and claimed to a friend that I'd stopped saying yeet. I was like, it's been two weeks. It's out of my vocabulary. And she went, Megan, you've said it five times in the last three hours. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the same with our father then? If we are his children, will we not look like him? The more time we spend with him, will we not become more attuned to who he is and do things the way he does? 2 Corinthians 3:18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory 
are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We've recently been looking at the God Has a Name series and the part of Exodus when, Jesus, when Moses goes up the mountain and asks to see God's glory. And God says no, but he lets it pass in front of him. When Moses returned off the mountain, his face was shining and the Israelites made, it co- made him cover it because it freaked them out so much. Because he was covered in the spirit and the glory of God because he looked like God. When Jesus came and tore the veil, the veil that we mentioned earlier, that separated the Holy Spirit from the rest of the temple and the young thing people, it meant that our faces are no longer covered. Everyone can receive the Holy Spirit. We can all have that intimate relationship with God. We can all begin to grow in his likeness. We don't have to strive to be perfect or holy. We just have to accept that he wants to transform us. The more time I spend with my friends, the weirder my vocabulary becomes. Similarly, the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more like him we become, the more our lives are transformed. Galatians 4, 6. We're looking at heirs. Because you are his sons, God sent that spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit he calls out, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Have you ever inherited something? Maybe an heirloom or money or even a house? I know a 14-year-old who inherited a house. Doing all right. When I was 17, my brother and I inherited money from my granny. And prior to this, it was a thought that came about the odd time when she would have opened up her purse. So I would have went, I wonder how much I'll inherit from her. But with that, I seemed to forget that it required my granny dying. To inherit something, someone has to die. And it's the same with being an heir of God. In order to gain our inheritance, to become an heir, someone has to die. And it's us. We have to die to ourselves and our desires and wanting to do things our way and instead completely submit to him. But here's the thing. When we do this, when we submit to him, we become heirs to the Father. The Spirit allows us to become princes and princesses of the kingdom and everything that is his is ours. It's like that Lion King moment when Simba, alongside his dad, look out over the landscape and he says, everything that the light touches is yours. Everything that belongs to our heavenly dad is ours or can be ours. That means that whatever area in your life is lacking or hard or unfulfilled will be filled by God. One day we will have all we need by his spirit and because of his spirit. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to be fearful for one day there will be no pain, no tears, no wanting for anything. We can't take our worldly possessions into death, but we can journey with this promise. The promise of God's presence, his spirit, our inheritance, the life of God in us, living on, sanctified. Second, Theolotians 2.13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through the belief in the truth. The spirit makes us holy. It sanctifies us and sets us apart. Churches love the word sinner, and there's nothing wrong with this. 
But there is when we still apply this label to our lives despite being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking completely with Jesus. When we are sanctified and calling ourselves sinners, it's untrue and it holds us back from fully submitting ourselves to him. When we become filled with the sanctifying power of the Spirit, we are not sinners, we are saints. We're saints who sin, but nonetheless we are saints. We have to live in this and live set apart lives. Because there's nothing about being holy or being saintly that has anything to do with us other than us giving our shout at yes. It's all about him. Holiness is not something you reach or gain. It's something you receive by his grace. And this side of it is immediate. But being holy also takes time. It's a process. It's all of these things that the Spirit leads us to put together and helping us to be carved out to become who God created us to be. This can be a dramatic, immediate life change, or it can be gradual. So gradual that you don't quite realize until you turn around and go, oh yeah, look at that, and you reflect. All of our actions and responses to God are an overflow of the Holy Spirit. They come from walking with him and learning from him and learning the unforced rhythms of grace. The Holy Spirit is Jesus walking with us. Just as Jesus did all these things with the disciples, the Holy Spirit does with us. How might submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit change your life? What areas of your life could you submit to the Holy Spirit? The Spirit is here. He's not far away. He's in the room. He's in us. Do you want to know more? Will you stand with me? Um, if you want to experience an intimate relationship with the Spirit or experience more intimacy with the Spirit, if you want to submit more of your life to Him, will you put your hand on your heart? Um, we have a team on prayer ministry tonight and they're just going to come around and say something simple like more, Lord. But if there's something tonight that's hit you, maybe something to do with parenthood or fatherhood, maybe you're not letting God transform you, maybe you've never encountered his presence, maybe you're still living as a sinner even though you're saved by his grace, maybe you're not dying to the parts of your life that you need to, or maybe you need God to come and speak some truth tonight. Will you let the guys know as they come around? Just stop them. It doesn't need to be a big thing. Just say, I need a bit of this. And they're going to go and do that now.